You know, I think for each of us, there are maybe a few movies that are formative in your life. There could be other things too, but you know those movies that stick out to you that you saw them just at the right time and it impacted you. And there was a movie that I had not yet been allowed to watch and I just knew it was gonna be one of those movies for me. Mainly because I had all these friends that were talking about it and finally I had that rite of passage and I got to see Braveheart. And it was, I don't know that it was life-changing, but it was good, Uh, it was fine. And so, but you know, when people think about Braveheart, when they talk about that movie, there's really just one scene they're talking about, right? And it's his speech in front of his army, and it's about freedom. And so I thought, just like then, I memorized it. I thought I would perform that for you today. (laughs) But then I had a second thought, and I thought, you guys all have YouTube, so you could just go watch it. And um, it... I practiced it once, didn't go well, because that's really the truth of the story. But you know that speech, that whole movie is all about freedom, about fighting for freedom and what freedom means. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about freedom. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn over to Galatians chapter 5. My name is Cale Courtright, one of the ministers here. I'm so glad that you are here to worship with us today, especially if this is your first time with us. If you're new with us here, I hope you have felt right at home uh, with this body here, we believe that uh, Jesus is the body and that he is putting this church family together, that he draws people here, and that this is one family under his name. And so we hope that uh, you have felt welcome. And if, if you want to be part of this place, we will help you, f- help you find your place here in this church, because uh, we believe that everyone has a gift and a talent, has something to bring to the body, and that um, you may be the, play- the piece that we just don't have yet. And so we want to um, honor those gifts that God has put in your life. We want to use those gifts. This week is week five in our series in Galatians called No Longer a Slave. And so we'll be in Galatians chapter five. And, and we've, in reality, there's a lot of common themes here, just as Kevin said in our communion moment. So we'll talk about that again. But the big question of Galatians is, is really, I think, will you take seriously your claim your conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord? Will you take that seriously? And Paul is asking that church in Galatia, but it, but it asks that of us also here and now. Will you take that claim seriously and all that it means for your life? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, specifically in when, it talks, when we talk about freedom, what it means to be free. I love how Galatians 5 starts, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And some of you right now are probably going, that seems obvious or redundant. Um, Yeah, what does that mean? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And and Paul is going to start this whole chapter on this idea of freedom and what it means to be free. But he wants to start from the beginning and basically say, remember that Jesus Christ has set you free, so stay free. So stay free. Don't go back into a burden of slavery. You were enslaved to sin. You were enslaved to the law. He said, stay free. So those are the two things he's going to talk about in this chapter. Are you a slave to the law? Are you a slave to sin? Or are you free in Christ? Now, some people, some scholars believe that this is one of the most important chapters in the Bible when it comes to your Christian spiritual formation. 
When, it thinks of, when you think about becoming more like Christ, transforming into his image, this chapter has a lot to say. And it starts with freedom. Now, sociologists did a study, they did a survey to determine that freedom was, and I quote, perhaps the most important value to Americans. I'm not sure they needed to do a study about that to figure that out. They could drive around and look at bumper stickers. They could see the things that we talk about. They could watch the fireworks in July. Freedom is important to us, right? We talk about it. We put the stickers on our car. We tattoo it on our bodies. We love freedom. In fact, Americans think that we invented freedom, right? So we know it best. We understand it most. And we definitely um, invented freedom. So I think when we talk about freedom, though, this is the best definition I could come up with for what it means to be free, what we mean when we say freedom. And it's this. Freedom is the ability to do whatever you want whenever you want. When we say the word freedom, I mean, we are free. It's a free country. That's what we're talking about for the most part. We could nuance that. We could talk about it. We will, but we're free to do whatever we want whenever we want. Now, growing up in in elementary school, there were two days, and this probably goes for middle school and high school as well, but there were two days that are the best days, right? Just there are two days. The best day in the year probably is what? The last day of school, right? Um, my wife is a teacher. When I asked her this question, she said the first day of school. Obviously, teachers, that's maybe what you guys say, but uh, no, I'm hearing teachers already, but no, last day of school too. <laughs> no. Last day of school. Why? Because you didn't really do anything. It's just fun. And then you walk out and you're like, freedom, all summer, free. Ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want, free. But I think the second day is probably even better because the last day of school is pre-planned. I mean, we know what the last day of school is going to be, right? You, you know exactly when it's coming. The other one's a surprise. The second day that kids love is the snow day. Everybody loves the snow day, right? Now, kids these days have it really easy. You know, the, the school district sends you like a generated text message or an email. Like, you know when it is. But not so when we were growing up. No, we had to watch the news. And we had to try to figure it out. And you had to remember alphabetical order. So I grew up in Edmond Public School District. And so on the bottom line, they'd be running the schools. Which, which schools are out tomorrow? And I'd be like, E, when is E come, A, B, C? E, E is coming. And you would watch for it. And sometimes it wouldn't be there. You'd be like, all right, it's, I can see the snow outside. So I'll circle back around. I mean, we are watching that thing like it's the ESPN bottom line. This is our Super Bowl, right? And when, those, when, when your school district would pop up, I mean, there was not a better feeling, Right? Sometimes you wouldn't know if you had a snow day when you went to bed, and that was kind of the worst. You're like, because you wanted to stay up late, but now you might have school, and you would know if you got the snow day based on the time that your mom or dad would wake you up, right? And so when you got that day, that was a surprise. You're like, freedom, yes. I wasn't planning on it, but now I can do whatever I want, whenever I want tomorrow. That's what it means to be free. We live in a free country, or so we think. Yeah, you have the ability to do whatever you want. I mean, you can go keep up with your neighbors, the Joneses, all you want until you get into credit card debt. And then what kind of freedom is that? I mean, you, you have freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. But ask my kids if they have that freedom. They don't have that freedom. They don't get to do whatever they want, whenever they want. So when we talk about freedom, I think this church in this context, churches in 2022 in the United States of America and churches like it, in, in areas of the world like it, will have a hard time reading this scripture because this was not written to a context that was free like we talk about freedom. 
In fact, I mean, this was written to modern-day Turkey, the area of Galatia. They probably had some similar freedom. But you could imagine a, a situation that Christians in occupied territories would also say, you are free in Christ. A lot of times when we talk about freedom, we're talking about political freedom. But people, from the time this was written all the way till now, read this same text, and they do not have that same kind of freedom. And yet, we would still affirm that they are free in Christ. So we talk about freedom. We're talking about our freedom in Christ, not our freedom that we have maybe politically or otherwise, the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we want. So this whole section is about freedom, and it's about how are we going to use this freedom. And again, as Kevin said, it's a lot about will you be circumcised or not? It's been an ongoing theme in the book, and here's how Paul says it in verse 2 and 3. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, he is obligated to obey the whole law. You might might say, like, what is Paul talking about here? Circumcision was a thing from the Old Testament. It was a sign of the covenant. You did it. You were God's person. And he's saying, why did Jesus come? If you're still going to live by those old ways, if you're going to take one, then you better take all of them. As was mentioned, Tim told us last week, there are over 600 laws in the Old Testament. If you're going to obey one, you might as well obey all of them. Now, we don't throw out all of those laws, of course. We can talk about that. But if you're going to abide by this, he's saying, what value was Christ to you? So if you want to obey one, then you might as well obey all of them. The thing that that Paul is most concerned about here in this moment is he is concerned about unity. He's concerned about this church and churches like them coming together. And he knows if you're going to abide by these old markers, these old ways of who's in and who's out, it's going to divide the church and probably by ethnic lines. Because some of them were circumcised on the eighth day and some of them are adults and have never been circumcised. Who wants to be the one to tell them? That's the question. That's the question here is how will we keep this body together? We're not going to abide by the old ways. But really now there's only one marker, and it's faith. Here's what he says in verse 5 and 6. It's what Kevin read to us. For through, the, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be part of this church family? Is it someone who's circumcised or not? No, it's those who have faith. If you put your faith in a risen Jesus Christ, you're part of the family. That's what it means to be free. That's what it means to be part of this church family. Will you use your freedom to go back into the old ways, to be in bondage to the law again, or will you use it to serve one another? Will you use it for the purposes of love? That's the question that Paul puts before us. How we use our freedom is of utmost importance here in 2022 politically, but also when it comes to the faith. Remember, he does not want you to go back into bondage. So the the section of this chapter that I really want us to focus on, and I think it might be centrally important to the entire book, is Galatians 5, 13 through 18. And what he says here, how we are going to use our freedom. Look at what he says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, 
Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What was our definition again? Do whatever you want, whenever you want. Here Paul says, you are not to do whatever you want. That you have this freedom, but what you do with it matters. How you treat each other matters. This is about the church. This is about how we come together. And so in that, he says, you're going to use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. You might say that Paul's version of freedom is something like this, to give yourself over to the relational constraints of love. Now, when you read that, you go, that doesn't really mesh with my definition of freedom. Because there will be times out of service and love for one another that I will, I will give of myself for you. That, that I may give of my time, that I may give of my energy and my effort and my finances and whatever out of service to you. I will submit myself to you. And so on the outside, someone will go, we're not really free. You say, of course I'm free. I'm just choosing to use it differently. And the reason we do this is because we follow Jesus Christ. And we can look at, at his life and we go, man, he was the most free person, right? A, a man without sin, who, didn't, who was never in bondage to sin and to death because of it. How did Jesus use his freedom? Jesus was free and he used his freedom for you and for me. See, we, we can look at his moment. He, he's arrested and he goes to the cross. He's crucified for us. And we go, man... I mean, it's, it's too bad that they made you do that. You weren't free. He was arrested. It wasn't his will. Well, we know scripture. Of course it was his will. That, that's how he used his freedom. Nobody forced him onto the cross. He willingly went to the cross for you and for me. How will you use your freedom? For yourself? Or will you pour out your freedom? Will you pour out your love for another? That is our question today. See, what Paul says here is that all of us are in conflict. All of us have this war going on, and it's not between you and you and I. It's not between each other, but it's within each and every one of us. See, the Spirit has come and has dwelled in us, but we still have this flesh that we deal with. And so the question becomes, is will you indulge the flesh, or will you live by the Spirit? Which way will you live and so I think what Paul wants us to see here is that life by the Spirit is the antidote to indulging the flesh. If you live by the flesh, you'll be enslaved to the flesh. And the way that we combat that is that we pour ourselves out for the other. This self-emptying love is the antidote to the rivalry we have in our own hearts of the flesh. There are many markers of what it means to live by the flesh, and, and the following verses have that in Galatians chapter 5, have all these ways that we indulge the flesh. And, and you and I could sit down and we could probably write that section, couldn't we? We could think about our own life, we could think about what we see in the world, and we could write that section. The ways that we not only succumb to our own sin, our own temptation, but the things that we see around us. The sin that we, we choose, whether intentionally or not, the ways that we try to honor in our own self, lean into our selfishness. He says there's a better way. There's another way. 
We want to lean away from that and into the Spirit. Life by the Spirit is what he calls to. In fact, you could say Galatians 5 is defined by, yes, freedom, but also by life in the Spirit. If you look back in verse 16, it said, walk by the Spirit. In verse 18, be led by the Spirit. Here, coming up in verse 25, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. It's all about this life in the Spirit. So how do we fight our flesh, we don't fight it through willpower. We fight it through the Spirit's power. Willpower won't work, but the Spirit at work in us will. So here's how Paul finishes this section of Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. How many of you grew up at a church that you had to memorize these nine things? Not enough. All right, let's start right now. Okay. I'm going to just think that your arms are heavy, but that's okay. You, you probably memorized it at some point. And it's good. It's a good thing to memorize. I, I, I know that there are nine because I can count to nine, but also because I was nine when I had to memorize this. I remember because I was not the first. And I'm a pretty competitive person. I wanted to win. I wanted to memorize it first, but I'm not a good memorizer. And so I'm not even sure that I said that right. But um, And so... I remember also that I did finally accomplish it because I got a candy bar, okay? I was very motivated uh, to, to win that prize. And so I remember from that point forward thinking about the fruit of the Spirit and thinking about how this um, is not only manifest, how it's lived out in my life, but also how do we get this fruit of the Spirit? And I kind of thought about it like we talk about gifting here, right? A lot of times we talk about people's gifts and say, you have um, the gift of this or that, um, you know, and so we, we, don't have di- we don't have the same gifts. We all have different gifts, and that's why we make one body. And I kind of thought of the fruit of the Spirit like that, that you, know, you had some of them and not others of them. And to be sure, some of these come more easily to some of you, right, than the others. You know, so for instance, I am, I wouldn't say am the most patient person naturally. Now, I hope my wife would affirm that I've, you know, become more patient over um, the last couple of decades or so. But some of you have a patience that I just don't understand. Like you get in traffic and it's just fine. And the rest of us are not handling it quite as well because you have this patience. Well, the way that I saw the fruit of the Spirit was, was not correct. That it, it's, not, it's not a pick and choose. A, you know, you were gifted some and not others. That's not how it works. See, these are not your attributes. These are attributes of the Spirit at work in you. And so while, yes, you may be naturally a more joyful person than another, that means the other person doesn't get to just opt out of joy. That's not how it works. Is that when we gave up our life, when we've been crucified with Christ, as Paul says a couple of times, when we take him on in baptism, that we say we invite the Spirit into our lives and we want to be transformed in his image. And so we should start to see these fruit being born out in our life that when the Spirit is at work in you, you will start to see these things flow out of you. People that have the Spirit embodying in them will start to see these fruit. And now you may be sitting there and going, well, how do we do that? Because if you read this, Paul seems to say just live by the Spirit. 
Lean, lean away from the flesh and into the spirit. And, and if you're anything like me, you go, I, I want to do that. But give me, give me a way to do that. And so the short answer for how we do that is that we live like Jesus lived. It's that we, we walk in faith and we try to live a life like he did. And for us to do that, we have to practice certain things like Jesus did. We have to have habits that are similar to the habits that Jesus had. And so I want to put a couple before you today that I want to challenge you to take up in your life. They're not the end-all, be-all, and there may be other things that help you embody this, but the real question is, is how can I put to death the flesh in my life and live by the Spirit? What are things that will help me? Because I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up. So the first one is this, that we need a practice of confession. Now, all throughout Christian history, confession has looked different in different times and places. And I would say, for most of us, especially if you grew up in a church like this one, we didn't have a formal practice of confession. But what you might have is that, you know, you would get the emblems before communion and that you might say a prayer in that moment because you want to go to communion. You want to go to this time with the Lord and you want to, you want to confess, you know, what maybe happened in that last week. Confess the kind of life that you've lived, where you've failed and not failed. And scripture does say that we, we go to God and we confess before him and we ask for forgiveness, but we need a practice that, that goes maybe a step further than that. It reminds me of in Galatians 5, I mean, James 5, James writes, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you might be healed. I think we've all had the experience of not only, of yes, praying to God, asking for forgiveness, and you do receive that forgiveness. But have you ever confessed with a trusted group of people? A place where you can be vulnerable and honest well, what James says is that's where you find healing. And I can attest to the power of those moments. That when you come before a group of people that, again, is trustworthy. This is not your Facebook page. But is trustworthy that you can go and confess where you've been, where you've failed, where you've fallen short. That brings healing. See, the flesh is, is still at work in you. We, have, we want to be the people who have crucified it. But you know from your own life that when sin stays in the darkness, that's when it grows. We bring sin out into the light and it dies. And so if we want to lean away from our flesh and into the spirit, we have to have a place where we can confess. A place where we can regularly, habitually go to some people and confess our sins to one another. And if you don't have a group like this, I want to invite you to celebrate recovery. It meets every Tuesday evening in our youth room. And it's a group of trusted people that come together regularly every Tuesday night where you can confess, where you can find that community. You don't have to find it there, but you need a place. You need a group of people that will walk with you as you, again, try to crucify that flesh and live by the Spirit. So you need a place of confession in church. This isn't one of those sermons that I, I hope you don't just go, that's a great idea. Ideas are only powerful if you put them into practice. And so put it into practice. Find a place where you can confess with one another. And the second is similar. It's a, we need a practice of fasting. Now, before you completely reject this idea in your mind right now, let me, let me make my case before you. See, no practice of Jesus has, is more foreign or has been more neglected in the modern church than fasting. In fact, I know most of you right now are probably thinking, I will never do that. 
I've, I've, I can see it and feel it in you right now. Now, what this is not, what I don't mean, is this is not intermittent fasting right now, okay? You can Google that later if you don't know what that is. It's all the rage, I guess, in the diet world culture. Um, this is not for health purposes like that. This is also not um, a social media fast or, you know, fasting from TV. And those things are good, too, to kind of reclaim your mind, refocus you. But when we talk about fasting in the biblical sense, we mean fasting from food. And, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'll be hungry. That is the point. Yes. Um, a couple of reasons we fast. The first is this, is that we come to God and we offer him all that we are. This is not a faith of just of the mind or even just of the soul, but we offer him our very bodies as well. And so fasting moves our faith back into our bodies, that we feel it. We know what, what we're doing. So we fast for that. Fasting also teaches you the ninth of the fruit of the Spirit, and that's self-control. See, many of us are in a place where we habitually have the same sins. We have similar sins. We fall into the same habits. And part of the reason might be is that we don't know how to tell ourselves no. We don't have this power over ourselves to say no. But for hundreds of years, Christians have practiced fasting up until the recent time. Christians throughout history have fasted both on Wednesdays and on Fridays. And they fast from food. Now, you might also have heard people before say, we fast, from, we fast because we want to take our mealtime back, and that way we can pray and read Scripture during mealtime. And what you do with your regular mealtime is up to you. It's fine. But if you have a personality similar to mine, if the, fast, if the only reason to fast is to have more time to read Scripture, I'll just wake up earlier. I'll stay up later. Like, I'll work. I, listen, I love food, and I'll find a way to get that, right? Richard Foster, uh, one of the great writers about Christian spiritual formation, said this, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. Again, the point of fasting is to be hungry, and then in that moment to tell yourself no, that we're going to be hungry in this moment. And so again, I know many of you are probably sitting there right now thinking, I'll never try it. But here's the challenge I want to put before you today. Especially if you find yourself in a place where you regularly are falling into the same temptation, the same habits. I want you to practice fasting. The challenge I want to put before everybody today is that choose a regular meal time between now and next Sunday. If you normally skip breakfast, that doesn't count. Choose, choose a regular meal time and say, I'm going to fast during this. And, we'll, and you can tell me next week the experience you had with that. In our, in our current culture, we ra rarely tell ourselves no. We get things instantaneous. We get whatever we want. We often get too much. And fasting is a way to be countercultural and to submit our bodies and ourselves to Christ in that moment. And so I want to invite you to practice those things. Again, these aren't the end-all, be-all, but practice these ways because this is a different kind of community that do things different because the Spirit is at work in this community. I still believe that the Spirit indwells in this body and is at work in you, church. And because of that, we'll be different people. But also because of that, we live differently, including sometimes miss a meal. So we have three kids and uh, three boys. And when we were pregnant with, or when we were pregnant, when Savannah was pregnant with our second, I went through a baby name book. And if anyone knows me very well, you're going to know this sounds right. I have a spreadsheet with all the names that I considered. I literally went A to Z, all the boy names, okay? 
I think we did a pretty good job naming our kids, and um, we can talk about that later. Your argument means nothing to me in this case, but um, <laughs> we named our kids, and they had, and had purpose behind Maybe when those of you with kids, maybe you did the same thing. You had a purpose behind why you named your kids what, and, and if it had meaning to you, whether it was a family or whether um, the definition of the name meant something to you. The name that we didn't think at all about was their last name. And I would argue before you today that that's the name that matters most. Because when one of our kids needs something, we don't base it upon whether we fulfill that need based on their first name. We fulfill the need because of what their last name is, right? And when we come in here today, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father sees everyone with the last name, the same last name. And we submit to one another under the banner of Jesus Christ. This is still a community that the Spirit is at work. Because of the faith that we've placed in Christ Jesus, the Spirit is at work in your life, transforming you into his image. We don't want to use our slavery to divide each other or our freedom to divide each other. We don't want to use our freedom to just do whatever we want either. This is, again, a different kind of community. Whatever you did in this past week that indulged your flesh, it doesn't matter when you walk into these doors. This is a community that promises to welcome you with open arms, but it also goes a step further and promises to walk with you. Because while you're welcome, no matter where you've been here, we will not let you stay there because the Spirit is at work in you. So today I want to invite our shepherds to take their place on the wall. And the the first promise we make is to pray with you, and that's what our shepherds will do as we close here in just a minute, that we'll pray with you. Wherever you are, wherever you have been, we will walk with you. That's our promise as a church family is that we are better together, church, that God has put this family together. So I love what we do every single Sunday. We come and we, and we lift praises to him together, signifying that this is one body with the same last name. We worship at the feet of King Jesus. So let's come as we stand and sing together.